welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. When I hear uh, that kind of beautiful music, and thanks, uh, Shelly, for what you do each week for us, Sergey and Elise, that came along as additional instrumentalists for us today, I'm reminded of the words of... Um, I think it was Albert Outler who once said he traveled to a small town and what he discovered was that on the top of the Roman Catholic Church there was a crucifix, the top of the steeple for the Congregationalist Church had a weather vane, and the Methodist Church had a lightning rod. Each symbolized what each were hoping for and the Methodists are still waiting to be struck by lightning again. When I hear you choir, when I hear you Sheila, I'm ready to charge the gates of hell with an empty squirt gun. It um, just inspires a heart. It's a beautiful thing, too, because it helps us lean into what we're going to talk about in a moment. But before I leap into that, just want to say a word that Jeremy's also speaking to the Vine congregation. Uh, there are times when we just want to say something as a pastor because uh, we're fed up with the world around us, and that's one of those days I've got today. Past week, we put an email to share with all of you a word from us as pastors as we have seen this conversation about vaccines turn in sort of rancorous and biting kind of way. If you did not receive that, please see one of us because that means your email is not correctly entered in the system or check your junk mail folder. So it's one of the benefits of just having to revisit this. But vaccines are becoming sort of the polarizing issue in the conversation uh, and even within the church, uh, someone gets tested positive or they're out, and quickly our curiosity can sound condemning when you start to inquire, well, I wonder where you get it, were you vaccinated? You know, we don't do that anywhere else. We didn't do it with the flu, did we? Oh, did you get your flu shot? No. So folks, I just want to, I know we've been through this, and we are fatigued with it. We are absolutely worn out by it. We've got some fear mixed in the midst of it all. But friends, let me tell you something, we're going to make it through. We're going to make it through because God is good, and we're going to get through it. Equally true for those for whom it has been a, a, literally a journey that has led to losing a loved one, we walk with you as well. We walk with you well. Three things we have to request of you real quick. First, uh, if you hear something that somebody's out, don't jump immediately and ask if they were vaccinated. When Jesus healed those around the Sea of Galilee, recorded in Matthew chapter 4, he is not recorded as saying, oh, were you vaccinated before you became a leper? Ah, you know, it didn't do right. What did he say? He, he, he healed the sick. He opened the blind eyes. Let's get back to our primary purpose, which is as people of God to say, how can we help you? How can we be praying for you? That's number one. Number two, avoid being tempted to be lured as the world wants to really sort of set us on edge against each other. Have you noticed that? And let me tell you something, it's only going to get worse. It's going to get worse as we get closer to the month of November, right? And you know what that's all about, right? We need to be different. I saw another pastor, and I thought this was a cool idea. I just didn't have enough time to let it marinate. Instead of getting involved in political campaigns and whatnot, they're making signs for their yard around November that says, just be nice to each other. <laughs> don't you love that? <laughs> so, I don't know, we make make something. Be nice to each other. So let's avoid any kind of conversations that try to link any kind of blame when we're trying to figure things out, because curiosity can quickly sound like a condemning word. And third, let's pray. 
We pray not only for the people who've been through it, but folks, we need to recognize that for those in our medical community, our first responders, they've been on the front lines of this, and thank God for them. They have borne the brunt of so much of it. And so we thank God for those people. This is for all the first responders, all the people in the medical community. And you'll recognize them when you're around because if they happen not to have a mask on their outside, you're going to see most of them have scars and they have actually bacterial infections from having to have that pressed against their skin. Equally true. This is not either or. Remember when we started this, I talked about it's not an either or, it's a both and. It's a both and. And we need to continue praying for people whose lives are still impacted and affected because they have had COVID, lost a loved one with COVID, or are struggling through it. These things are all equally true. But let's be the church. Let's rise above it. Let's rise above it and not get drug into it. Last time I'll tell you about that, it was not in emails this. You got a choice. I've got a little book on my uh, desk by a woman named Weatherly. Uh, and she has this concept. You can be a balcony person or you can be a basement person. Basement people just live to bring you down. Balcony people live to pull you up. Let's be balcony people as we are followers of Christ. Now, we're going to talk about God the Father today, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Trinity, and the text I've chosen today is going to be from the Gospel of John. But I want you to know that as you leave today, there is a half sheet of paper in between the hand sanitizers. And I'm going to recommend to you that you can pick this up. It's about the Trinity. Right? The Trinity is a mystery, but there are attributes of God that we find in Scripture. We're going to unpack that, but don't forget, there are copies of this. So you want to pick one up. I made it this size, so if you happen to bring your Bible or you have it at your home, you can take it like this, and it goes just like that. Right? You can take it with you. But today we're going to look at a passage from the Gospel of John, chapter 14. It's going to be verses 15 through 24. I'll invite you to stand as you're able, out of respect to the Gospel. Jesus says this, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. Don't, don't move the whole, go back to the screen. I want to do a little teaching real quick. The advocate, the Spirit of truth. Advocate in the Greek means helper, assistant, guide, corrector. This is a reference to the Holy Spirit. Okay? The paraklesis. The, word can, the world cannot accept him. Okay, who's it talking about? The world can't accept the Holy Spirit, right? Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, and as you are, let's pray together. 
May your spirit, O oh God, come and stand between me and your people so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be shaped, formed, and molded into the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, in whose name we've gathered, in whose name we pray, and in whose name we will depart and seek to serve faithfully. And all of God's people said, Amen. When I was ordained into ministry in the North Texas Annual Conference, uh, Lloyd Bailey was at First United Methodist Church in Dallas. You remember Lloyd? And he came from Georgia. He had all these wonderful colloquial sayings. And he said that whenever he had a lot of content in a sermon, he would say this. He'd say, there are three things that are difficult to do in life. The first is to climb a fence that's leaning towards you. The second is to kiss a girl that's leaning away from you. And the third is to preach two hours of content in less than 20 minutes. Then he would say, the first I've never tried, the second is none of your business. And the third we're about to do. There is no comprehensible way that in the next 15 minutes, maybe not even that much, that we will say all that needs to be said about the concept of who God is, and especially as we introduce the concept of the Trinity and begin to lean into the first person of the Trinity in God the Father. But I want to set our hearts on a general trajectory and acknowledge that the fact is this concept of the Trinity, the three in one, is truly a mystery. We can begin to describe it, and even our limited abilities tend to be bound up in human experience. If we've had a terribly negative experience with a father-like figure, when I say God the Father, it will conjure up for many of you negative feelings. And sometimes we even borrow into that, you know, well, God the Father is just the mean part of the whole, the Trinity, right? And I, I also remember that uh, there was a young pastor who was very nervous trying to preach, and he asked, is there anything anybody can offer that'll help me get get not so anxious before I preach? I mean, I'm so anxious. And an elderly member of the congregation came up and brought him a little flask and said, um, just take a sip of this about 30 minutes before you preach, and you'll be real mellow. And so um, the pastor that second Sunday was extremely anxious. Everybody said he had a great, great sermon, but there was a different kind of energy that he had that day. He was a little freer with things, and the person who handed him the flask came up and said, "Uh, Son, I said take a sip, not drink the whole thing. (laughs) And by the way, we do not refer to the Trinity as Pop, Son, and Spook. That's not our church. We have a hard time wrapping our head around three that can become one. Now we've used analogies, right? We'll say, well, think about the H2O, right? Water can be liquid form that we drink. It can be a vapor form. It also can be a solid. Ah, we figured it out. No, the metaphysics limits itself because God is mystery. But God is three in one. So in this passage from John chapter 14, you see present in the words that Jesus speaks, the concept of God the Father, God the Son, and then the Advocate, the Paraclesis, the Holy Spirit. They're all three present. This Trinity, God who is three but one. We say the triune God. This is what we call monotheism, one God but in three persons. Another imagery that kind of helps but has its own limitations is if you were to look at me, I am a son, I am a father, and I am a husband. I'm still the same person but I have those three different relationships. 
Not too long ago in the history of the church, we often slipped into, and it's not bad if it's a modifier, but it cannot replace who God is. We say, and Jim even referred to, right? The creator, the sustainer, the redeemer. But when we abandon the historic language of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we drift into what's called modalism. I asked Jim earlier, hey, have you ever preached on modalism at this church? And he said, what's that? <laughs> I'm kidding. Jim did tell me, though, earlier, he, he was a little taken up. He's got difficulty with technology. All right? Now, I know that in the concept of God, three, he can talk to you all day long about the Trinity. He knows the Trinity. He knows the writers in history that talked about it. Elizabeth Rowe can talk to you about the Trinity and the historical significance and how we've been grounded in that. But it is a mystery in the final analysis. Listen to how C.S. Lewis puts it. An ordinary, simple Christian kneels down to say his prayers. He's trying to get in touch with God. But if he is a Christian, he knows that what is prompting him to pray is also God. God, so to speak, inside of him. He also knows that all real knowledge of God comes through Christ, the, the man who was God, that Christ is standing beside him, helping him to pray and praying for him. You see what's happening? God is the thing to which he is praying, the goal to which he is trying to reach. God is the thing inside of him which is pushing him on in the motive of power. God is also the road or the bridge along which he is being pushed to that goal. The whole threefold life of the person is being actually going on in an ordinary act of prayer. Now, sometimes C.S. Lewis drifts in places, but what he touches is he touches the mystery. And even in C.S. Lewis's articulation, there are limitations, and you must be careful not to take your attempted human limited definition and say that it can fully encompass a divine, triune, holy God. The church has always felt has always felt, as recorded in Scripture, that God is three in one. We don't have three separate gods. Uh, there are historical debates within, actually, the creeds of the church in which we talk about the very nature that Christ is of the same nature of God, begotten, not made. We talk about the Spirit. And if you look at the Nicene Creed, you see it being borne out. But we know in the early church, as Paul is writing the church at Corinthians, as he closes 2 Corinthians, he says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. When Jesus closes Matthew chapter 28, he says, Go forth into all the world and baptize them in the name of the Father. Right? The presence of the Trinity is present in Matthew chapter 28. And if you remember from a couple of weeks ago, it is not present in Matthew 29. And I told my sister that I told the story about her looking for a Bible with that. And she said, you did? I said, yes. And if you'd watch me on Sunday mornings, you'd know that. <laughs> now, how do you arrive at what you believe about God? How do you get there? Here's what most often we do. We have this journey of life experience. We come to a place where we're trying to decide what is our ethic, what is our standard going to be, and how are we going to define what we believe and why we believe what we do. And we have this accumulated kind of knowledge and we bring it to the church, but we've never really delved into the scriptures asking, what are the characteristics of God? We sort of humanly try to conjure that up as if we are sort of a spiritual Merriam-Webster dictionary and can just conjure that up. And we forget this very fact. We are creation, we are not creator. And we're going to have some limits to what we can describe. 
But that's why the scriptures remind us that we walk by faith, not by sight. And at the same time, equally true, the both and, is that we should always be stretched to understand what is the application of the scripture. Where did it come from? What did it speak to? Why was, it, why was this passage spoken the way it was? And so we've got to engage our minds in rigorous study. Here's what we believe about God the Father. It's contained in the Articles of Religion in the United Methodist Church. That is, God is from, from not created, he's always been. I have a, a niece, Taylor, who has two little boys. And I'm going to pay for this one because when I mention the, the great nephews, they always perk their ears up and they say, Hey, Uncle Bert, aren't we supposed to get some money for that? Because the joke in the family is if you mention a family member, you've got to pay them for it. But Baron and Bowen are asking questions, and, and, and Taylor's calling me driving home from Christ United Methodist Church in Plano, where Baron's been in childcare that day, and they were talking about Jesus. And there were some peculiar questions, as you can imagine, which will not be repeated, which I did answer about. Jesus, as a little boy, and being God. And it related to some anatomical dynamics of all that. But here's the beautiful thing. My niece was engaging in a conversation, and my great nephew was wanting to know, who is Jesus in relationship to God the Father? And what I love about that is inquiring, asking questions. God who was from the beginning, who was not recreated. As Aristotle says, the unmoved mover. Here's where it gets real practical before we move to the liturgy of Holy Communion. You're going to get what you believe from someplace. All right? I get that. You're going to get what you... I just want to speak a challenging word that the idea that you can Google it, therefore it settles it, is probably not true. And that just because there is information, it isn't accurate information. And you're going to get what you believe from some place. I just want to challenge you, have you given equal weight to considering that the scriptures, the historical scriptures, speak to the attributes and the characteristics of God? For we know God to be loving. God is a creator. God is one who's always reaching towards us. He's compassionate. He's faithful. He's merciful. He's strong. He's good. He's sovereign. He's caring. He's righteous. He is the good shepherd. He is our refuge and our strength. He is gracious. He is the healer and the helper. He is the one who saves and the one who makes all things new. And if you want to remember all those, I put them on a sheet of paper for you and referenced the scriptures that define these attributes of God. We believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. This is what we believe. We don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to wrap our whole brain around it because as J.B. Phillips says, if you can explain everything about God, then your God fits in a box. And if your God fits in a box, your God is too small. Let's pray together. God, we are so grateful for the way we have been created that helps us see, as Paul says, dimly through the mirror, the mystery and the majesty of who you are. God, we give you thanks that you've created us fearfully and wonderfully with minds, minds that can ponder issues of spirituality and the same kind of minds that can sit over a Petri dish 
in love on the world by finding cures to diseases, God, we're thankful. Thankful that our questions never change your love for us. So help us now to embrace the reality that you come to visit us, that you are the one seeking us. We're not looking for you, God. You're not lost. But God, help us be found by your grace. For this we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people did say, Amen.